What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to the two-man power trip. Oh, my God. This is Joey Styles, and you're listening to the two-man power trip podcast. This is Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. This is Cody Rhodes, the prince of pro wrestling, and you are listening to two-man power trip. This is Jimmy Vine, the boogie Wooker man. Tell my people and my brothers and sisters, don't you dare miss John and Chad. Hey, everybody out there. This is the franchise Shane Douglas. Remember me? <laughs> well, guys, it's great to be on the show again. I appreciate you asking me back. So you said you were going to pinch yourself. I didn't know it was that kind of show now. I mean, if you guys are in the privacy of your own home, if you want to do these things. Good. How you doing, Chad? Hey, Johnny. Cool, man. What's going on? We ready to go or what? Okay. Hey, man. What's up, guys? This is Homicide. Oh, that's my homie. Homicide with a big homie club. Yeah, that would be it. Hey, this is David Penzer, and this is the two-man power trip of wrestling. Well, thank you, thank you. Hear me, fear me. I don't do many wrestling shows anymore, probably because I'm a bit ignorant. You guys probably know ten times more than I do. Look, Mean Gene, I can't be beat. I'm the greatest of all time. And I would say that. And every kid, I, they knew they could kick the out of me. Great talking to you guys. It's been your pleasure. <laughs> They've worked in and around the wrestling business. They've studied thousands of hours of wrestling, and now they bring to you the greatest legends, Hall of Famers, creative minds, and both current and future stars of pro wrestling. They are Primetime Pod and Chad, the two-man power trip of This is the two-man power trip of wrestling, and you are listening to episode number 267 of the two-man power trip of wrestling podcast, a podcast that you can catch two times a week and download it from any of the places you get your wrestling podcast from, whether it's iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, Player FM, or my personal favorite, the Podomatic app. You'll never know who's going to be on the other end of the line of the two-man power trip of wrestling. And that is a moniker we love to live up to. And today on the show, John and I welcome in a wonderful guest named Matt Wichlinski, who is the former head strength and conditioning coach of the WWE Performance Center, as well as the man behind the strength shop. And you're going to learn all about what the strength shop is on this episode. But before we get started, I want to talk about this coming weekend. We have our big meet and greet at Hurley's Tavern down in Glen Allen, Virginia, featuring Arn Anderson, Ron Simmons, the franchise Shane Douglas, Jillian Hall, Gary Michael Capetta, Dave and Earl Hebner, the pain train Preston Quinn, and now just added the manager of the Four Horsemen, the one and only James J. Dillon. If you can get down to Hurley's Tavern in Glen Allen, Virginia, it's definitely a day to remember, and you can get all the information on that at our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash wrestling. Again, it's facebook.com slash wrestling, where you can learn all about this amazing event. But as we get into this here, I'm going to actually throw this over to a pre-recorded intro 
done by John and myself with our good old buddy, Kevin Thorne, who makes his return to the show to talk about a couple of things. First, a gigantic charity event he's got going on on Tuesday, May 23rd in Pendleton, Indiana, as Kevin Thorne and Billy Gunn fight for an amazing cause called Abby's Army at the Arabian Rumble as they are just taking on the absolute wonderful, wonderful task of raising some funds for a young lady in Indianapolis who is just suffering from a debilitating disease. And we definitely want to get as many people that can get to the Arabian Rumble as possible. But also, Kevin has some ties to Matt Wichlinski being good friends of Billy Gunn. And Matt Wichlinski has basically become the personal trainer of Billy Gunn. And you're going to learn all about those associations on this episode. So it's enough out of me. Please, like I said, get on over to our Facebook page and check out the information on our meet and greet down in Glen Allen, Virginia on May 20th, as well as all the information for Kevin's event, which is May 23rd in Pendleton, Indiana. We are literally reaching across the country, and we're trying to get as many people into these professional wrestling events as possible. So that's enough out of me. I'm going to throw it over to me, and we're going to get into this episode with Matt Wichlinski featuring our good old buddy. You might remember him as Mordecai, and you're going to hear a little bit about Mordecai here, but let's get on over to John, myself, and Kevin Thorne. I did a pre-taped intro that would be coming on before this, so you would know already that joining John and I right now for this introduction of our episode with the great Matt Wachlinski is a good friend of ours. We're so happy to have him back an unprecedented third time back on the two-man power trip. Our good friend, the one and only Kevin Thorne. Welcome back. Hey, man. Thanks for having me, as always, man. It's always a pleasure and always a good time with you guys. Uh, Uh... Two of my favorite uh, podcast guys, but uh, now two, two of my favorite friends. Oh, you're making me blush. That's uh, that's so nice. John and I, uh, we, we love working with you. We've done a lot of fun things. And the last time we had you on was all the way back in February of 2016. And that feels like ages ago because there's been so much going on. And the reason we have you back on tonight is to talk about a really great cause that you have going on, in addition to what you got, what you've done with Matt Wachlinski. But I want to talk about this first. And you are doing an amazing event on Tuesday, May twenty third, in Pendleton, Indiana, at the Pendleton Heights High School, the Arabian Rumble, where our good friend Mr. Kevin Thorne, Kevin Fertig by his real name, wants people to come out and support a great cause called Abby's Army to raise funds for a, a little girl. Actually, she's a high school student who has just been diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma. Love to hear about the cause and love to hear about how the event is going because you have been working your ass off to get the word out about this event. Yeah, man. Uh, so, I, so far, so good. Um, you know, everything's coming together every day. A different phone call from a different person. Um, you know, uh, in fact, uh, you know, for the listeners that are close, uh, the first 500 pocket supporters are getting a free photo op with me and Billy. They they paid for it all. They, that's what they wanted to do. Um, if we can squeeze a, a Volkswagen bug in the door, we're going to squeeze that in and 
somehow me and Billy are going to fit in that with you to take a picture with. No, actually, we're just going to put you on the hood and take a picture. But um, <laughs> uh, doing that, and um, yeah, every every dollar of every cent of this this deal is is uh, going to go to um, uh, a beautiful young lady that this young lady is. is Oh, it's so cool. Yeah, and her name's Abby Davis. And just by seeing the stories that you put out there and just kind of kind of educating myself about the scenario, it's just a really cool thing. And anytime you can raise money by using pro wrestling is always something that goes hand in hand. And it's uh, something that I think could be done a lot more. And I know it gets done a lot, but, you know, you've really worked your ass off to get the word out. And I'll tell you what, you know, your buddy Billy Gunn, and we talked about Billy Gunn uh, a little bit the last time that you were on, but... Your buddy Billy Gunn's coming up to Indiana, and you guys are going to uh, do it upright. Donovan Dijak, who's uh, made a real big name for himself in the last year and a half, he's going to be on the show. But kind of talk about what it's been like to put this show together and really uh, kind of educate you know, the kids in the high school about you know, proper weightlifting and also now bringing pro wrestling to their school, and they can see it up close and personal. I mean, you know, the, the school loves it. Um, you know, um, especially the high school, um, you know, that, that the, the weightlifting coaches and the coaches, you know, they definitely see, um, you know, uh, wrestling guys like myself as, as, as role models and stuff. And, uh, same with the elementary school. Uh, actually I'm going to go, uh, speak, uh, uh, tomorrow being Friday at a uh, career day, um, you know, and, and talk about, you know, you know, wrestling and stuff like that. But, you know, not not necessarily just wrestling, but also talk about, hey, you know, uh, you know, I wouldn't be a wrestler if I didn't, you know, you know, wasn't able to read, I wasn't able to write, you know, arithmetic, you know, all that, all that good stuff like that. So, um, you know, I think that kind of it all plays into it. Um, I, you know, every facet of life uh, are you know in high school and uh, elementary school and stuff like that. It's amazing how much you know people know football, people know baseball, but almost every student who's wrestling and it's just the way it is. And that's, that's the cool thing about it. Um, you know, is, is, is wrestling is a huge part, um, of, of the groundwork of everything. Yeah. And it reaches such great causes like Abby's army and raising awareness and spreading the awareness of a disease like Hodgkin's lymphoma, which obviously it sucks. And especially somebody like Abby Davis, who is so young and having to go through this, but you know, again, I'll mention Billy and Donovan Dijak and another guy from up there in your area, Congo Kong, are going to be on this show. But it's also a first for you because it's the first time you've ever promoted a wrestling show. And I got to ask you this, and this is a shoot. Does it uh, live up to the hype of being a promoter or is this something that could be a one and done for uh, for Kevin Fertig? I don't know, man. I definitely think I'll do a couple more. All right, I'll, I'll do something else. Um you know, as long as it's it's for a good cause, I, it, it, the hard work makes it all worthwhile in the end. And you know, and, and my thing is just, I, you know, I don't want to be the quote unquote scumbag promoter that um, you know basically you know says they're doing all this for a good cause and they're trying to you know raise money and all this stuff, and seventy five percent of that money goes into their pocket and twenty five percent of it goes to the quote-unquote cost, maybe. Um, you know, with this deal, uh, you know, I'm, I'm 100% of it's going. I, you know, it's, it's all going. Like, you know, once bills are paid for ring, this, this, and this, you know, uh, a couple of the wrestlers and everything else, you know, paying for some some travels because 
I mean, you know, those guys are donating some of their time if you can't donate at all of it, like, you know, and I get that. So, you know, some money has to go to some, you know, some guys, and it's just the way it is. But, um, you know, as far as I'm concerned, you know, the, the time that I put in and everything else is, you know, 100% there. Um, you know, and at the end of the day, man, it's, it's, it's something that's cool that I get to, you know, I, I get to really look at it and go, man, I get, you know, I actually gave back, um, you know, I, I, I paid it forward with this. And I think it's, uh, you know, um, definitely uh, fulfilling. And it's great to see you doing something for a good cause because up in our neck in the woods, we just saw a promoter out of Connecticut who said he was promoting a show for autism. And lo and behold, he disappeared with all the money, and they didn't get this five thousand dollars check for autism. The guy took it. Yeah, well, there's a place. There's a place in hell for that motherfucker, and I'd like to send him there. But that's just, you know, we'll just leave it that real quick. <laughs> well, you know, so bigger and, and kind of better things here. You know, talking about some great causes, but I also want to talk about Matt Wischlinski, and I want to talk about the strength shop, and I want to talk about your relationship with Matt because. Anybody that's seen any pictures of you lately, I mean, you're huge, somehow bigger than the last time I saw you. So what are you doing to get so big, and what are you doing working with Matt Wischlinski? Man, you know, um, and I mean, this goes back to, you know, I I guess seven degrees of Billy Gunn sometimes with, you know, who I I sometimes can do that with, you know, like people do with Kevin Bacon, I can do that with Billy Gunn. I mean, um, He's been a friend of mine. I think we counted the other day, almost 17 years now. Um, you know, and, uh, and this, this story when, when Matt was at, uh, you know, uh, uh, NXT, um, you know, and he was the head strength coach there and, and, uh, you know, Billy was a trainer there and stuff. And Matt, you know, at that time I, I wasn't in wrestling. I wasn't doing stuff. Uh, I was kind of, you know, kind of following because of Billy, you know, keeping up with him and stuff like that. And, I, you know, I just kept seeing all these things that, that Billy was doing strength-wise and everything else, you know, and, and because of Matt's training and, you know, and, and the workouts and all this stuff. And, man, I kept, you know, sending Billy messages. Man, I can't, I, I can't believe this. You, you know, you're 49, you know, now he's 54. I mean, you know, this is four years ago. But, I mean, just, just the way that he keeps up with himself and, and, and pushes forward and stuff like that, you know, um, you know, it's finally like a, I guess, a come to Jesus in a way. You know, I was depressed. Uh, you know, I wasn't happy with stuff, stuff like that. And, you know, and Billy's like, why don't, you know, why don't you start getting in shape? Why don't you start doing this? Why don't you start doing that? And I'm like, yeah, you know, I mean, I always knew, knew my way around the gym, but, I, you know, I just needed some sort of motivation. And, you know, um, you know, Billy was giving me some of that and then, you know, he started sending me max workouts. So I, I was like, you know what, screw this. I'm going to start doing some of these. And start doing them, seeing, seeing the results. Start doing them, seeing the results, you know, and stuff like that. And it, it was just like chipping away at, at, at something, you know. And I, and, and I was. I was chipping away at a, a, a big, fat, old, you know, vampire, um, you know, that, you know, slowly was, you know, becoming a, a whole new, you know, a, a realm of something. And, and it was just... It was just awesome, um, you know, um, and, you know, I was always getting these workouts and, you know, I was being told what the next two guys were doing, so I was pushing myself to see what I could do better, um, you know. Uh, um, you know, since then, you know, Billy's left, uh, Matt's left, but they've kept the motivation going and, you know, they're doing stuff on their own now, you know. 
Matt's got the shrink shop, uh, you know, down in Florida, which is awesome. Billy still works out there every day with him. I mean, it's right around the corner from him. Um, I mean, and, you know, and they're still sending workouts back and forth. Um, you know, it, it was almost two years in the making until I met Matt. Um, I met him, uh, we went down uh, to Georgia and uh, whitewater rafting and, uh, um, you know, came out finally and met him. And we woke up the next morning, you know, staying in the cabin. We had some drinks, everything else. The next morning we wake up and we come up with this workout, all you know, all of us together with basically, um, you know, a toe strap, an axe, some logs, um, a, uh, a piece of river wood, uh, some, some rocks that we found uh, close and everything else. And we just built this workout. And, uh, you know, and that's the, that's the killer thing about Matt is he, you know, he's got this hardcore style of, you know, don't, don't bitch about what you don't have. Look around your surroundings, come up with something and build a workout with, with that, you know? And, uh, and that's the, that's the coolest thing about it. And it's like, you know, um, you know, and I, and I tell him and Billy all the time, I'm like, you guys need to just go to a junkyard you know, and, and, and take it for six months and basically, you know, grab somebody off the street and go, hey, we can get you in shape just off this junkyard and go in there and just come up with just insane workouts with just the stuff that you have. Um, and, I mean, and, you know, and that's the, and the inventiveness and the, and, the, and the unbelievable mind of, of Matt. I mean, it, it, you know, and most people call him witch. Um you know, that's, that's, that's the unbelievable mind of him. I mean, he just comes up with crazy stuff and, and it works because he's, he, you know, he's that gifted in, in you know, in, in, in personal training and stuff like that. But, you know, anything he comes up with is just there. And it just, you know, it, you can, you tell him, hey, I've got five, you know, I've got a set of five pound dumbbells, 10 pound dumbbells, and 20s. And um, I've got a floor, a ball, and this. And, you know, he'll come up with a workout for you to do at your house. And that's, that's I mean, that's unheard of. What's great about him is, you know, there's so many trainers out there or supposed trainers out there, and you're almost like, oh, you know, does it work, does it work? You and Billy Gunn are like the walking endorsement, like, wow, what this guy's doing at the strength shop, and this guy's a trainer, it really, really Heck, works. Man, me, Billy, I mean, me, Billy, and then, you know, Billy's two sons, Colton and Austin, I mean, you know, are two unbelievable studs too, you know, and granted they got, you know, unbelievable genes and, you know, really gun genes, but uh, it's, uh, you know, it's true, it's, you know, defining it right and knowing how to train it and, and, and build it and stuff like that, um, you know, and in, in which definitely, I mean, he, you know, um, you know, as far as the trainer for wrestlers go, and I mean, you know, um, if guys are out there that are listening to this and, you know, they're trying to get to the next level and stuff like that, uh, you know, it, it wouldn't be worth, worth your, it, it'd be worth your time to, to, you know, send him a message and email or, you know, and, and get online and get some of those, get him to send you some of those training, trainer regimes and stuff like that because he knows how to, you know, even if you have an injury or you have something, he knows how to work around it. Like, uh, I, you know, I've had an ongoing hip injury for a long time, and I never really worked my legs for a long time. And he gave me all the different ways to do it, with body weight and stuff like that. And my legs now have developed, you know, tenfold because of what he what he told me. 
obviously you know, you're getting in huge shape. You're getting huge. You're getting in shape. Is he? Because there was a rumor last year that you were contacted by WWE for a possible return with the whole brain extension thing. Is he kind of training you for a possible WWE return, or is this kind of more personal for you? Uh, this is personal. Uh, you know, I never rule that out. Um, but this is this is me saying I'm. You know, I'm 40 years old. Um, you know, um, you know, I kind of been there, done that. But you know, I'm 40, and I don't. You know, I, I don't want to be that old guy. You know, still trying to, you know, show up at autograph signings and everything else, you know, fat with my Zubaz on and my, you know, my fanny pack and, <laughs> you know, trying to talk about the, about the past. You know, I, w- I want somebody to look at me and go, this guy could be the future still, you know, and, and that's and that's what I want to be. I, you know, I, I don't want to be a, um, you know, uh, a husband. I want to, you know, I want to be uh, a future legend. You know, I, w- I want to be the future. I don't. I don't want to be the past. Um, you know. You know. Uh, I'm the present right now, but you know, I, I want to be able to go. Hey, man. You know, we can still do something with him, and and get miles out of it. You know, and I, I think that that comes with, you know, building yourself. I mean, um, you know, my some of my biggest role models were were, were Billy and Bob. Um, you know, and you know, both of those guys were in their fifties. And look better than than half the young guys today. I mean, and that's you know that's saying something. I mean, you know, I mean, and can can run circles around most guys. So, um, you know, that's that's kind of my goal now. You know, I I just you know, I want people to go, damn, uh, you know, he, you know, he still looks every bit as good, if not better. And you know, as of right now, you know, you do wish to do Billy's motivation diet, some other stuff. Now I feel like I, I look 10 times better than I ever have. Definitely true. I mean, you're huge. And, you know, speak about saying, damn, I was at Wrestle Pro Show with you last year. And speaking of the degrees of separation with Billy Gunn, a guy he trained, he wrestled, and that's Bull James. You guys literally tore the place down, physically and literally tore the place down. But it was an awesome match. One of my favorite matches of last year, especially live. It was awesome. So what was it like there, you know, wrestling Bull? One of uh, Billy's disciples. Oh man, it was great. Uh, you know, um, Bull was, um, you know, hard worker, hard, hard, hard worker. Um, you know, to me, uh, should be up there. He should be in WWE still. Um, you know, he's not. I mean, which is a blessing for a lot of indies and Ring of Honor and a couple other places. But uh, I mean, you know, definitely you know, deserves to be up there. Um, you know, uh, a guy that puts his nose to the grindstone is not, you know, not afraid to work to where, you know, to get what he wants. Um, you know, and, you know, I've had the opportunity to rest in there, uh, you know, house hardcore a couple of times, everything else. And, you know, every time it's always been physical, which I like, um, you know, and, uh, um, we're kind of, uh, you know, in, in the wrestling scene today, um, we're dying out of the heavyweights. I mean, we really are. I mean, there's there's so many young up and coming, um, you know, lightweights or you know, cruiserweights or light heavyweights, um, you know, out there. Um, you know, it, it's just nice to see some some guys with some meat on the bones. Um, you know, uh, that 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 are out there, and you know, Bull's definitely one of those one of those guys. And uh, you know, when the you know. Guys, Billy Size, Taker, and Show, and all those guys are kind of dying out. 
you know, it, it's nice to see that there's, you know, Donovan D. Jackson, uh, um, you know, Bull James and those kind of guys still out there that, you know, are at least going to kind of hold the torch for, you know, for, for, the, for the meat out there, for lack of a better term. Which is also kind of funny because you made your debut up at Pro Wrestling Revolver out in Iowa this past weekend. And when you see the match that you were involved in and you see the clips that were kind of circulating around uh, social media, the funny theme about it all was uh, you were throwing guys around like nothing, <laughs> like little sacks of potatoes, but definitely the uh, the bigger guy in the match. But how do you like wrestling with that style and performing where these guys are jumping from literally every different direction and trying to come up with ways to, if they can jump from the ceiling, they'll jump from the ceiling. But it was very cool to still see you throw them around like a sack of potatoes. Oh, man. The, the talent, I mean, you know, the talent is out there right now second to none. I mean, you know, I mean, they're so acrobatic and I mean, they look like little video game characters and everything else. I mean, it, it, it is. Um, you know, and, and you know, uh, Sammy Callahan's, you know, the thing is, uh, wrestling for our, you know, generation by our generation. So it's something like that. Um, you know, and, and it's true. I mean, you know, it's, it's a, it's a totally different, it, it's a new breed for lack of a better term. Cause I was with, them, you know, a new breed a while, while back, but like the new breed now is it's, it's geared towards that. I mean, they, you know, it's it's uh, suicidal death. It's it's uh, instead of just having one Sabu, uh, we've got you know fifty of them now. Um, you know, in a locker room. Um, you know, it, it's it, it takes some getting used to. Um, you know, especially I I just was an, an old uh, you know um, I always liked the heavyweights, so. You know, when I see all these, you know, guys that can flip and do all this crazy stuff, you know, sometimes I have to step back and, like, take it all in. But then, you know, watch it, though, man. They are. They're amazing at what they do. They really are. And, I mean, you know, the crowds are eating it up, um, you know, and stuff. But uh, at the end of the day, sometimes I wonder just the longevity of them. You know, it's, it's how long are they going to be able to, to, to do that? Um, you know, it takes such high risk and still, you know, their bodies hold up and, you know, going back to, to which it'd be a good, it'd be a good guy to call, you know, guys that are, that are doing all this, you know, get a good program with a guy like that that can, that can work around that and to strengthen up those, those ligaments and those joints and, you know, everything else that you're going to end up needing, you know, to, to maintain that, that craziness. Cause I mean, the unfortunate part is you're, you're only one, you everybody's got a buck card. And you're only bump, one bump away from being done, um, you know. So if you can, you know, strengthen up and do stuff to, to you know, add, add some more life to that, man, it's, it's the way to go. Yeah, and if they want to talk about longevity, all they need to do is go find Billy Gunn because I feel like it was 10 years ago that we were saying Billy Gunn looks like how he did 10 years before that, and now here we are 10 years later saying, man, Billy Gunn looks exactly like he did 10 years ago, and I think that which definitely uh, – Played a big part in that, but before well, we, I mean, you look at, I mean, you know, I mean, you look at pictures of Billy when he first started, you know, smoking guns and all that, and it, it was, you know, he's he's always been a, a big old boy, a big old athlete, but I mean, now, I mean, he's just insane looking. I mean, you know, and I mean, he just keeps on and keeps on and keeps on and keeps on and keeps on. 
Um, you know, and I mean, it's and that's that's the cool part about it. I mean, you know, uh, at, at 53 years old, that's what I want to look at. I, I'm, you know, I'm 40 now. That means 13 more years I got to like maintain what I have right now, which I feel looks pretty good, but maintain it and make it even better. You know, to look like that. I mean, you know, and still be able to, you know, uh, uh, bump and feed and do everything that you have to do. I mean, God, he's just, he's just so athletic, so fast. And I mean, uh, you know, watching the match this weekend with him with, um, the wrestling revolver with Joey Ryan, man, you know, he just, it's just, everything he does, he just smile on his face. He just enjoy it. He just enjoys wrestling. And, and, and that's another thing is, you know, I, I want to be that guy that just, I just out there to have fun anymore, you know? And I mean, I, I think that's where it becomes, you know, uh, several years ago, I made it a job and I hated it. And now, uh, I, I just, everything's fun for me. And, you know, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm going to these shows and I just want to have fun. And I mean, you know, and I'm impressed these younger guys that are, you know, that are, they're, they're coming up. I mean, you know, we, we got a, a, you know, a, a new crop of guys that are, you know, may take wrestling back to where, you know, DX NWO days again. Now, you know, I mean, you know, Monday Night Wars without the Monday Night Wars because, I mean, five, six years ago, you know, you go to independent shows with a name on it and it might draw two, three hundred. Now you're going to independent shows and they're, you know, like this weekend, they're drawing, you know, 2,000, you know, 2,500, you know, or more. I mean, that's, that's, that's unheard of for, you know, just a, you know, a, a local independent. So, I mean, wrestling is, is, is on the move again, which is awesome. I would say your lips to God's ears, but it's going to kind of play into my last question here before we get to the final plug for uh, the Arabian Rumble. And that is, there's a guy who wears white who has made a little bit of a return. He debuted or re-debuted back at WrestleCon, and now he's coming to AIW. And I think uh, John and I are very happy to know that Mordecai will be returning. And I just got to ask you on the air here, how does it feel to don the white one more time and the pale rider ride again? Oh man, you know, the, the, the pale riders have been trapped up for a long time. And, uh, you know, and the trip, the pale rider was never really fully unleashed the way that it could have been. So, um, you know, when, when the, uh, you know, the sky finally opens up on the AIW and, you know, he gets to ride down in all his glory, you know, a cross in hand and uh, reap judgment on uh, all the poor innocent souls named Hornswoggle horse that uh, are in his way. Uh, man, it's, it's, it's going to be like nothing other. Uh, I, you know, uh, the the sins will be cleansed, per, per se. <laughs> yeah, the, the return of uh, Mordecai has been a buzz on social media. It's so cool to see, and obviously... For those who are going to be able to get to AIW, please go out and see Mordecai return. And uh, taking on Hornswoggle, I definitely think that is an interesting pairing. And a uh, little guy might be in for a big night. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's going to be a long way down uh, crucifix style. I mean, you know, he'll, definitely, he'll definitely be saying his prayers to the Almighty uh, when he gets that high up. That's for damn sure. <laughs> 
All right, Kev, well, as we wrap it up, one more time we want to mention on Tuesday, May 23rd in Pendleton, Indiana at the Pendleton Heights High School, it's the Arabian Rumble, an amazing cause to support a little girl who is fighting the good fight against Hodgkin's lymphoma. And to Abby Davis, we wish her nothing but the best. But Kev, please give us the plug one more time. What can we expect from the Arabian Rumble? And maybe what can we expect out of Kevin Thorne and Billy Gunn that night? Oh, man, we're going to have a blast. We're going to put on a show like no other. Um, I'm, I'm going to try to take uh, Red Dog's position a little bit and, you know, give a, give a uh, team to the HCO to the R to the end. And, uh, you know, with uh, Mr. Ass behind me, with, if you didn't know. But, uh, no, I won't, we won't be doing all that. But because <laughs> Red Dog's only does it better than me. But, uh, um, man, we're going to, you know, it's going to be night like no other, man. Uh, you know, I specifically ask, um, Jake Coleman, who's helping me book all this stuff. I want nothing but athletes. I want guys that look like wrestlers uh, and guys that can perform. So, you know, uh, either come out tonight and, and, you know, and see guys that should be in the ring, uh, not paying to be in the ring. Um, you know, and, uh, man, you know, at the end of the night, man, I, I want to hand over a big lump of money to um, – you know, Abby's mom and dad and stuff and, and, and help them out with some of the medical bills and everything else that they, they, they've, they've uh, you know, garnered through this and stuff and help them out, um, you know. And, and, you know, at the end of the night, too, man, I want to make some new wrestling fans that might have just came out just to support. Um, you know, I, I want those people to, to leave going, man, wrestling is pretty cool. So, um, you know, that's, that's, that's the goal in all of this, um, you know, is to... Lack of a better term, leave everybody with a smile on their face when they go home and read. <laughs> oh, what a nice way to end it. But, Kev, obviously we love you, and obviously we will be seeing you in a couple weeks in New Jersey. You'll be hitting WrestlePro. We'll be doing Legends of the Ring. It's going to be awesome. But for all the listeners, please tell them where they can find everything else in the world of the Pale Rider, the man with the bike club, Kevin Thorne. Um. Always find me at, at the Kevin Furtick, uh, Instagram and Twitter, and then um, Kevin Thorne Furtick on Facebook um, is where I am at. Um, and then uh, key plug for Matt, you can find him at the Shrink Shop. Um, and then TSS, uh, hold on, let's see where right uh, is Matt's website. Go there. Uh, Get some pointers on how to work out, stuff like that. If you're really trying to take your next game to the next level, um, you know, and let's be honest, Vince is a body guy. So if Vince is a body guy, you need to have a body. So a guy like Matt can definitely get you there. So uh, it, it's, it's worth the price of admission to, to uh, send him some messages, figure out what it takes, get on a program, and get jacked. And then you will go to the next level. So that is that. That's all I got. Man, it's always a pleasure and an honor to talk to you guys. I appreciate it. Uh, look forward to spending the weekend here soon um, up at WrestlePro Jersey, Legend of the Ring, all that stuff. Um, and uh, eat some Subway because uh, <laughs> John has a Subway and he needs you to eat Subway. Um, if you're eating my kind of Subway sandwich, you're going to do the salad, no bread, and a lot, a lot, a lot of meat, which means a whole lot of extra charges, but you know what? It's okay. It's, it's good stuff. <laughs>
you might eat them out of Subway, House, and Home. So uh, I definitely look forward to that. And I know we're going to do it up. We're going to have a fun weekend. But Kev, obviously, we love you again. And I have you written down as we call you Big Kev between John and I. So uh, Big Kev, thank you so much for joining us tonight. I appreciate that. And now for some TMPT business. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Two Man Power Trip and at Wrestling Pal. Please visit our website, tmptofwrestling.com. That is tmptofwrestling.com. Subscribe to us on YouTube. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes. While you're on iTunes, check out the feed for some legendary episodes featuring. The living legend himself, Bruno San Martino. The late great American Dream, Dusty Rhodes. Ray Mysterio Jr., Jerry McDivitt, Brutus the Barber Beefcake, Mr. Wonderful Paul Ondorf, AJ Styles, and so many others. Also, while you're surfing the web, check out WrestlingInc.com. Yes, that is WrestlingInc.com. They are the number one wrestling news source out there, so please check them out. Also, while on the internet, go to ProWrestlingTees.com. Yes, ProWrestlingTees.com is your superstore if you are a super fan. And you can please check out our page while you're there. You can check out Tito Santana, Paul Orndorff, Coco Beware, Magnum TA, Buff Bagwell, and so, so many others. Follow along with the two-man power trip of wrestling in 2017 as we hit the road and we come to a town near you. May 20th, we hit Richmond, Virginia. Then, follow us to New Jersey as we hit the Legends of the Ring in Monroe. So please follow along with the two-man power trip of wrestling in 2017 because you never know where we may land. And now, without any further ado, the former head strength and conditioning coach of the WWE Performance Center and the man behind the strength shop located in Longwood, Florida. He is the personal trainer of the one Billy Gunn. He is Matt Wichlinski. Please enjoy. Joining us on the line tonight is the former head strength and conditioning coach for the WWE Performance Center. He's got a very unique resume, including a USA weightlifting coach, an IKFF certified kettlebell teacher. He's an underground strength coach. He's a CrossFit certified coach. There's so many things this guy has done, and he can transform your body in a few easy steps, I would say. But let's get into it with Matt Wichlinski, thank you so much for joining the two-man power trip of wrestling. Thanks for having me, guys. Pleasure to be here. Uh, we're, uh, we're really excited to talk to you. Uh, so much stuff that we want to talk about with you being the former strength and conditioning coach for the WWE Performance Center. Obviously, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's a huge, huge part of the WWE system, the WWE beast, the machine, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but first, I guess we got to say, uh, you know, kind of the side thing, uh, you know, was wrestling always kind of your forte or was this kind of like a side project that you fell into and then, uh, got kind of entrenched in that WWE world? 
Um, I loved wrestling as a kid, and then as I uh, you know grew up a little bit, I got away from it. Um, in, in college, got back into it a little bit more. I went to college in the uh, the late '90s, so that was that era, you know. Uh, so obviously, The Rock and Stone Cold and all that stuff, you know, that that was that was pretty awesome. DX, um, but it was just for fun. You know, every, every once in a while on a Monday when I wasn't watching football, like we, you know, I'd get into that a little bit. Um, but then the years had went by, and then all of a sudden this opportunity came up, and uh, I became a fan by uh, by proxy, I guess, just being into it. So I can't say that you know I was you know a, a lifetime fan forever, you know. But uh, when I was when I was young, it was obviously I was a little Hulkamaniac, and then uh, and then times changed a little bit. But but being being in, involved and in the trenches for the three years that I was at the performance center, meeting all the guys, like how. It's it's impossible to not be a fan around everyone that's working so hard and busting their ass and doing everything they need to do to help fulfill their dream. And for me, it's it's more about being you know that that backstage guy helping them improve their strength and conditioning for whatever sport it is that that they're trying to do. Doesn't matter if if you play beach volleyball and and you're into it 100% and you just love it, you're passionate about it, and you're willing to do the extra work that it takes off the beach away from the sport to make you a little bit better. That's going to protect your knees and, you know, uh, you know, keep, keep you healthy and strong to play better. I'm all about it. So whether it's wrestling or whatever, so that's, that's me, but being around those guys, you can't help but be a fan because of the, the, the sheer energy and charisma, you know, that's, you know, just you're, that you're around every single day. Yeah, no, that's a great point. And it's funny, you know, you talk about being a fan during the Hulkamania era. Obviously, there's a lot of preconceived notions of uh, the bodybuilding physique of the 1980s era and guys that were either, you know, they're gym rats or they're all weightlifting or there's other things that are uh, going around helping guys with their physiques. But, you know, WWF, WWE, always known as a as a big man's company of monsters, these muscular, just beasts, these mythical guys that you could really only draw on paper, and then they pop out because they have that WWE machine behind it. But strength and conditioning being what it is now, you're completely dealing with a, a whole different era of guys that are a lot smarter about how they work out. But do you think, but from looking at WWE history from when you were a fan to now, did you kind of see how it really uh, changed from just being your typical muscular bodybuilder guy to actually having smart athletes who can really uh, learn how to train in a proper way? Absolutely. I mean, um, it's it's just a constant evolution, right? And uh, you know, having Hunter as you know the the, the head of what we do, and and he's he's in love with the training and he wants everyone else to be in love with it. it. I'll tell you, like every time he gets involved with something, he wants to bring it to the PC. If he likes it, you know, and, and he thinks there's value. Um, well, he, he started taking up boxing. So he brought boxing down to the PC and they've got a boxing coach. Um, not just boxing, but you know, uh, drilling with the fighting and all that. Um, and that's, that's for shooting and, and the guys are doing it so they can, they can work on making everything as real as possible instead of just throwing hokey blows or whatever. Uh, with the strength and conditioning, for me, it's, I've got a system and bodybuilding is involved in this system, but it's, it's about mobility, um, preparation, uh, prehabilitatory exercises to prevent you, you know, from, from injury. And a lot of this stuff that we do 
is not necessarily going to change your physique much. So if you take a guy with like an old school mentality and he's not feeling like a pump in his guns or his chest, you know, he's looking for, he's looking for the burn. That's part of it. And that's good. I'm not saying anything's wrong with that, but if that's all you're doing is chasing this pump, you're missing a big part of the athletic training. So it's about movement quality. It's about being healthy first. Um, I know a lot of guys that look amazing. They look like a million bucks, but they feel like absolute fucking shit on a daily basis. And tell me, what kind of quality of life is that? Are, are you happy to go? To, are, are you able to give 100% in anything you do? I don't care if it's you know, making breakfast for your family or going to work every day at 7, 8 o'clock in the morning, putting on a great show in front of 10,000 or 100,000 people or a million, on, a million people on TV. Are you able to possibly give your absolute very best if you feel like absolute shit? Of course not. So a big part of what I do is prevention of injury, keeping everybody safe. And this is not the glorious stuff. It's not the stuff that's going to give you a pump and make you, you know, make you look amazing. But it helps you feel better. And if you feel better, now you're able to give a, a higher level of yourself into everything you do, a higher level into your training, into your, your weightlifting, into your bodybuilding, your wrestling, your conditioning, every single thing, your, and, your, and your family life. You know, when these guys are young, and they're, you know, they're they're just getting started. They're green as shit. They're twenty years old or whatever. It's it's it seems to be all about that. They're they're just trying to get pumped and look good. And it's all about their abs. Let me tell you what I know. A lot of guys that have ripped abs that are are really weak as shit. And if you're weak as shit, you're going to be exposed on a lot of stuff. And let's take a guy like uh, Cesaro, for example. He's a guy that, you know, he doesn't necessarily look like he's as strong as he is, but he's a guy that is way stronger than he, than he actually looks. You know what I mean? Not a lot of guys are like that. A lot of guys are the opposite. They might look like a million bucks, but they're not that strong. It's almost like, you know, this fake muscle or whatever. I'm not just talking about in WWE. I'm talking about in general. You can look through the magazines and you see a lot of people all show no go. You know, there's a reason why you have these, you know, funny, you know, terms like that. For me, it's about making sure that these guys feel amazing, they're safe, they're preventing injury by uh, proper preparation, and um, you know, when, when they feel better, then they can invest a little bit more uh, quality into their, their uh, physical fitness, their bodybuilding, and their, uh, their wrestling training. So like you said, it, it, it has been an evolution. We're learning all the time from, from the, 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 the physical fitness training to the concussion protocols, the things that they used to do back in the day. You know, they, they have all kinds of new technology now that they're changing um, and learning from. So with the fitness training you know, technology and the, the feedback and the data that we collect over the years, um, so we, we do everything we can to, uh, to optimize that. And then since I left, I know they've been doing a great job. Um, I, I hear from some of the guys from time to time saying they learned this or that, and they still apply some things. And the new guy that's down there is really awesome with all that. So, uh, you know, it's, it's great. As, as long as we do our part to prevent some injuries, you can't prevent everything. There's, you know, anytime you're in a contact sport, a strength sport like this, there's going to be some traumatic injuries, and you can't prevent trauma but you can prevent overuse or underuse or, you know, uh, those, so we do the best we can to control those kind of issues. You know, like we know if someone's taking a lot of bumps and uh, what are the recurring themes that we see with the shoulder issues or knee issues, and we're going to address that and be very proactive. But, um, you know, if someone takes a wrong bump, you know, we're 
whatever. It's certain things you just can't prevent. That's that comes down to skill and just sheer accidents. It's it's like a science now. I mean, it's unbelievable to hear you talk about that. It's just so interesting because it is so much more beyond just a guy who's uh, you know, like you said earlier, just trying to get the pump or he's trying to get a certain look to him. There's so many X factors. Uh, to developing strength, to making sure you've got uh, a good win to you when you're uh, you're a professional wrestler. Obviously, you know your cardio plays a huge uh, part in your match and how you can really uh, withstand, you know, a long run inside uh, that squared circle. But you know, kind of in that sense, talking about guys who do listen to that and do kind of subscribe to what you're throwing out there and listening to suggestions. Did you ever run across guys that really were opposed to, you know, the science of it all and kind of felt like maybe they knew a little bit more because, you know, they're in tune with what they feel is best for their body and just kind of blew you off as like, ah, you know, you're just here to be, you know, the WWE's uh, strength guy. You're not my strength guy kind of deal. What do you think? Well, I think yes. I just want to hear you say. It. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> well, you're asking the question because you already know the answer, man. It was really, really tough when I first started, uh, um, because I actually started while they were still in Tampa, and uh, I was so I was in Tampa for the first three or four months before we came to Orlando at, at the PC. The the building was still being you know built out and everything, and uh, we did not have a gym to go to. So I, I tried my best to find a facility, and I was going around town trying to find and, – and going to, like, the, the local powerhouse gym or taking, taking the groups to any little place would have cost, like, really an arm and a leg. And then I finally found a little warehouse gym that was, that was really, like, perfect for us in, in the area that we were located. Um, basically, it was uh, – was it Florida Championship Wrestling at the time um, – you know, which, which morphed into NXT. So that building that were at, they were at down there in Tampa, I found a gym, not too far, a couple uh, miles away. And then by the time we got the, uh, the paperwork filled out for liabilities and all that stuff, uh, insurance and all that took another month. So in the time that it took to do that, that month, I would take the groups to a local park and they hated me. They thought I was the biggest asshole. Like I didn't know anything because I had them doing pull-ups and push-ups and, you know, basic uh, calisthenics in the park. I had a little car at the time that I, you know, just like uh, I had a little Kia at the time that I loaded up with hundreds of pounds of kettlebells that I had my own little weights, kettlebells and some sandbags. And this little Kia was riding dirty. Like it was just scraping right <laughs> along the ground because I, as I would take it from my apartment to the park and uh, I'd have some of the guys help me unload it. And they're like, this stupid shit, you know, like, to me, lifting the sandbags and doing some of the kettlebell work and the pull-ups and the dips and, and the push-ups and all that stuff, that's some of the most important things for them. But they want it to be, you know, there's, there's no pump. You're not getting a pump from doing a lot of that stuff, carrying kettlebells around and maybe doing like a couple like uh, mobility drills in the park, right? They just felt goofy and they didn't buy into anything. And there were a few guys that loved it. They're like, you mean we're getting paid to just work out in the park for an hour catching some sun? I was like, that's it, man. But for me, it was a bigger part of I didn't have another I didn't have any other options at the time. I was waiting to get a gym and it was just really trying to build some rapport and a little bit of a relationship with the people that I didn't even know. Because I went from one day not knowing any of these people, the next day I got sixty, seventy guys and, and women 
that I'm trying to train. So a lot of it was just trying to, you know, talk to them, meet them, get to know them, and find out, you know, about them, learn about them. So I had to spend some time with them. Um, I'd go and I'd watch the practices, and I could talk to them a little bit there, but taking them out to the park and kind of seeing their work ethic. And you talk about character. Character is a lot about, you know, putting some – how do they respond in an, in an uncomfortable situation? There's Obviously, there's lots of different definitions, you know, people will use on memes for, like, what is character and this and that. But to me – you put somebody in an uncomfortable position and see how they respond. And it was very uncomfortable. It was, you know, Tampa in the, you know, late spring, almost summer, and outside doing exercises they didn't feel like doing, in the grass, whatever. It might have been early. It might have been later in the day. And I'd get a lot of guys bitching and moaning. So until we got to the, the gym and, and I could do some other things that they were more comfortable with, it was it was it was a really hard sell at first. Uh, I just kind of it was like walking into the lion's den, and and you know they just wanted to eat me up. Um, so and then and then you have the fact that pretty much everybody was bigger than me. I'm five seven, two hundred pounds. Obviously, most of the guys are significantly bigger than me. But you you'll find that most of them weren't like significantly stronger. So when I would you know start showing them stuff and and. You know, you kind of look at Lou Holtz. Lou Holtz was a great, you know, college quarterback in his day, but did he look like he was ever a great player? You know, so there's a huge difference between being the player and being the coach. I can look at someone and I can see, like, what kind of things are going to help develop this guy's uh, physique or his mobility, things like that. And it, it just takes a little bit of time to win people's trust over. Once they realize that I do have their best interest in mind, I'm trying to keep them healthy, and once they're healthy, then we can work on their size and their strength and all that other stuff. Um, but yeah, it was it was really a hard sell at first, getting a lot of people to buy in, and of course, of course, the majority of them, they're there for a reason. They don't hire people that look like absolute shit for you know for the most part. Like 99 out of 100 people that they hire, they already have amazing looking bodies. The, the divas are coming in, most of them are like models or whatever. You know, if you look at them, um, so they're they're already the girls are already hot, the guys are already very good looking studs. They're not bringing in you know clowns that we just have to mold you know, from nothing. So they're already like, you know, eights, nines, and tens across the board. So they think, what's this guy going to teach me? Other guys have just a completely different attitude and an and a, and a open mentality. It's like, okay, what, what can I learn from this guy? Um, sometimes I'm able to really help people. Other times I wasn't. You know, I wish I could say every single person that I worked with, I had the opportunity to either transform or help in some way. Um, but the ones that I was able to help the most were the ones that were just open-minded and they wanted to learn. They, they didn't want to just do their own thing. They knew that, but they're like, what else can I learn? And, and every day it was like a sponge. And, and these are, you know, some of the best athletes. Look at like Chad Gable and Jason Jordan and, uh, you know, a whole bunch of other guys. Uh, they, they want to learn. They, they want your input and they, you know, when they're training, like whether it's maybe they're doing some Olympic lifting and they want another eye and they start asking you, that's how you know you, you can really help somebody. You've got other people that, almost every time if they had their preference what they would do is they'd rather just put their earphones on you know their their Dre, their beats by dre put them on and then just go in their own little world while that might be fine in some cases you don't do that at the pc you can't learn while you're drowning everything out you have your headphones on you're doing your own thing it's called the performance center and what we do is we try and teach it's all about teaching and your job's to learn and suck it all in right learn you know soak it all in and you know some of the guys just they just want to do their own thing and i totally get it and they're the, the, the hard ones to work with but for the most part everybody was really good and it was a lot of fun and uh 
hopefully some of the things that I was able to to do and work with them, you know, they they still apply. Yeah, the, not only the guys that basically were in there um, when you got there, uh, when the performance center launched. I mean, now these are the guys that are ascending, you know, up the WWE mountain with the, uh, you know, their picks solidly in the, uh, you know, in the the surface of that mountain and climbing to the top, which I think is uh, mm. is kind of crazy to see how far it's come in the last couple of years. But, you know, when you talk about those guys, you talk about the guys throwing the headphones on, they want to drown you out. Did you ever have a moment where you had to really step in and be like, look, I'm here to help you. If you don't want help, that's on you essentially and, uh, and not me. Was there ever one instance really that you just kind of snapped and, uh, and had to really lay down a law? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's, there's probably been a few. And uh, I would tell you most of the time, if, if that ever happened, it's, purely just from um, lack of communication. Like somebody might have had an injury and they're like trying to kayfabe it or something or not, you know, if, if you have an injury, then you have to go to the, to the trainers and, uh, you know, then you're probably going to be taken off the show. So they're trying to hide something. So if they're supposed to do a particular lift for the day, then they're, you know, they're, they're going to kind of like hide, you know, in, in the corner and do something completely different. Whereas if they would have just talked to me first, then I know what to work around. But when you're hiding something, uh, and that's that's the big reason why I do like a full body warm up every day. I, I I don't have them just go through the motions of doing like some shitty jumping jacks and shitty this or that, right? You have to show me some effort when we're doing like, you know, some a couple of easy stretches, shoulder, hip, and ankle mobility, and I'm watching everyone's face, and I'm seeing how they respond. And we're doing a shoulder mobility drill, and I see your face looks like you're being stabbed in the neck. You know, I, I know there's a problem. But then you got a guy that has, like, good experience. So, you know, uh, uh, an obvious one would be, like, Enzo Amore. He trained with Joe DeFranco for several years before he came in with uh, to the PC. Joe DeFranco was uh, Triple H's personal trainer. Um, Joe's a brilliant guy, amazing strength coach. Enzo trained with him for a couple of years, but he's a guy who just doesn't listen very well. He has some decent athletic ability. You know, he played college football and all that, but he's very hard to coach it, uh, not just in the gym, but in the ring as well. Talking with his other coaches in the ring, I don't care who it was, you know, uh, he's, he's worked with all the coaches cause he was there for three, four years or whatever. Norman Smiley, um, you know, all, all of them, you know, Bill DeMott, everyone is, you know, had to work with was like, man, this guy, is, he, he, can be, he can be a real pain in the ass. Sometimes he can be awesome. Other times he can be a pain in the ass. But I'll tell you what, I, I rarely meet anyone who's never a pain in the ass. But he's just one of the guys, you know, oh, I trained at DeFranco's. I know everything. Okay, you, I do a lot of things very similar, very much the same as what DeFranco does, but some things might be a little bit different. And just because you did it one way there, you know, I'm asking you to do it this way here right now for a certain reason. You know, and if I'm asking you to do something for a certain reason, I want to see you do it this way because I'm trying to, you know, build up to something else. You know, it's just like a story, you know, a program. I'm not having you do something just randomly. And I'd say a lot of guys would kind of do that, it, you know, almost just like some random shit. You know, sometimes you want to do a new exercise that you saw on YouTube or something like that, but it might not fit into the program at all. It's for me, I kind of look at it like if let's. It's it's like an ingredient list, a recipe. If you're trying to build the perfect program, it's kind of like building the perfect uh, chocolate cake or something. I love chocolate cake, and there are certain ingredients that go well. But you know, you might love raisins and uh, cayenne pepper and hot sauce. You know, who doesn't love you know hot wings or something like that? Doesn't mean you put that shit in your chocolate cake recipe just because you love it. It might fit somewhere else, and for a different reason. 
but it doesn't fit into this. And it's one of those things, you know, it's like, oh, well, I, you know, I've done this before and, you know, technique might be absolute shit just because, you know, growing up, you know, sometimes, and I know this for a fact, if you try and coach somebody and try and help somebody and try and fix them and tell them what to do 10, 12 times and they don't listen, they don't fix it, or they only fix it while you're right in front of their face and as soon as you're not looking at them, they do whatever the hell they want to do anyway. You know, they just go, I'm just going to do it my way. Even if it's absolutely terrible technique, it's just what they're comfortable doing, you know. Um, you know, so that was that was one instance, you know, where you're just constantly, constantly, like, fighting this uphill battle. Just do what I ask you to do. Please do what I ask you to do. Charlotte was another one. Charlotte wasn't necessarily a pain in the ass, but because she was such a good athlete, Charlotte was not just the best female athlete, but she's one of the best athletes there. You know, she can do her flips and all that stuff. Sometimes you'd want to you'd want something specific from her and she would just not be in the mood and she would just kind of like do her own thing. It's like, all right, whatever. But what was I going to do with Charlotte? Like it's like, she was already as good of an athlete as she ever needs to be. You know, she, you know, she's very lean, talented and all that stuff. So sometimes you just have to know what battles to pick. The bigger issue was if you let one person slide, no matter how good or, or bad they are, if you let one person slide, then other people start to slide. You know what I mean? And they start, well, you let so-and-so do this or so-and-so, and then everyone, you know, give somebody an inch, they want to take a mile. So even though I knew one thing wouldn't be that big, if you let one thing go, then you really start to lose the grasp, and it kind of snowballs after that. But, no, don't get me wrong. I love Charlotte to death, but just because, you know, she is so good, she can get away with, uh, with doing a lot of things, you know, her way. Hmm. And it's kind of funny that Enzo Amore, his, um, you know, his catchphrase is, you can't teach that. So that's kind of funny, you know, as far as uh, you're concerned. Yeah, yeah, it is what it is. Everyone, uh, everyone that knows Enzo, you know, it's, uh, he's, he's a hell of a character. He's a good guy. Um, he, he just can be a pain in the ass to work with at times. Not all the time, no, not all the time, but sometimes. It is one of those things. Now, when you have an issue or, or, you know, not really an issue per se with Enzo, but when when there's a problem with somebody, whether it be Enzo or even Charlotte to a smaller degree, is that something you, like, bring up the ladder to, like, the Triple H, or is it just something you keep internally? Well, I don't I don't just go texting Triple H on, hey, you know, so-and-so's not doing his push-ups. I, you know, I would have to deal with it. Uh, all the coaches, they have a weekly meeting, you know, and if it's something that can wait to the weekly meeting, you might want to bring it up. You know, so now all the coaches know and they're on the same page. Anything that's going on in the ring and what's going on in the gym and what's going on in the physical therapy room and what's going on um, behind, the, behind the scenes with uh, Ryan Katz doing their promos and everything. And when Dusty was there, we'd all get together, uh, you know, for a, a weekly meeting and everyone shares everything about everybody. If any issues that have come up, you go into your weekly reports. So if it, if it's an issue that I can't handle myself, yes, you bring it up. I, I brought it up to my boss, whether it was Bill DeMott or Matt Bloom, um, share it with their other uh, coaches so they know to address it. Um, and that way everyone's just on the same page. You know what's going on. And, uh, yeah, like I said, it was never, like, a main thing, like I wanted to drop kick his face or anything like that. But sometimes – and you, you, you got to realize, anytime you're in a position like that, look what these guys are doing. They're, they're being told what to do constantly. So I can't really blame them. I started calling them Sinatra, at, you know, towards the end. You know, once he went up, I was just calling him Sinatra because he did it his way. Um, a lot of shit he did was just fucking, fucking wrong. You know, it was wrong, blatantly wrong. Like, listen to other coaches, like, you know, whether it was his selling or this or that. But look at him now. 
you know, he, so he did it his way. He's up there. He's making good money, and he's he's got a hell of a life. He's laugh. He's just laughing and laughing up and having a great time. So, kudos to him, man. Um, he was he was one of these guys that was able to kind of get away with doing things his way, and it paid off for him. Somebody else may have gotten fired. You know, who knows? But for me, yeah, it's like, and like I was saying, like I'm not trying to pick on him. You just asked for one one instance, so that was that was one of the ones that you know sticks out to me. But um. You know, it's not like I ever got in a fight with anybody or, like, a major heated argument. It was just, like, you know, just talking, like, there's a reason why I'm asking you to do this. And, you know, um, everything I do, no matter no matter what it is, from the warm-ups to the workouts, everything, there's always a reason why. I can always, no matter what exercise, I have a reason why, something that we're trying to accomplish with it. And not everyone did the same workouts every day. You know, I change things up based on someone's current, you know, goals or abilities and, and uh you know, whatever's happening in their, in their, you know, personal life at at the time, all those things come into play with their current, you know, stresses are who's on the road, who's not, who's, who's working all three live events that weekend, who's not, you know, so I, I would adjust the intensity and all that stuff. And um, with all those kind of adjustments, not everyone doing the same thing. It's really hard to kind of track everybody all the time. And some people might try and take advantage of that. You know, like they know they're supposed to have a harder week and someone else doing an easier week. You know, they'll try and next thing you know, you see someone, you know, doing like three, four easy weeks in a row. And it's like, why haven't you been making any progress? Uh, so it's, it's really hard to, you know, stay on top of everything if you're individualizing. And that's why when you're doing like group training like that, having everyone do the same thing and you adjust the intensity with the group, problem is everyone's at a different level everyone's at a different level they're all at a different time in their training and some people on the road some aren't some are brand new um some people's uh ring you know with you you have four or five different um ring classes and every one of those classes are are doing something different every day every week some people have different days off in the ring it might be they might be off in the ring on tuesday somebody else is off in the ring on wednesday or thursday or monday whatever and they have their skull sessions so if you have an intense day in the gym and one guy has his day off in the ring and the other guy has his hardest day in the ring, it's really hard to have them, you know, both do the same gym workout. Let's say it's a, a leg day, we're squatting and all that stuff. So you're making constant adjustments. And I can see how the frustration, would, you know, comes into play. And, um, some things seem like it's not fair because the schedules get kind of like, you know, wonky a little bit. One, one class might be in the ring, for example, like uh, – for example, 9 to 12, they're in the ring, and then they're expected to be in the gym at 12.45. It's only a 45-minute break. You're tired. You didn't, you know, your food might not even have gotten digested yet. So you go for three hours, in the ring, and then another class might be the exact opposite. They might be 8 to 11 in the ring, and then they don't even get into the gym until 3 o'clock. So they've got like a four-hour break. How's one, one class get a four-hour break? The other class gets 45 minutes, and then everyone has their own personal life going on. Who knows what stresses between, you know, they, they want to get on the road. They want to make more money. They, they've got all these, you know, goals and dreams that they're trying to do, so there's a stress for that. Who knows what's going on with their personal life with their, you know, girlfriend or boyfriend? Who knows what's happening with their mom and their grandmom and their granddad back home? Maybe somebody died and they didn't say anything. So people have a bad day, and you know, you, you just, there's no way to know. You try to do the best you can to communicate with everybody, but there's so much going on behind the scenes besides bench pressing and squatting and push-ups and pull-ups and all that jazz. It's, it's real people that you're dealing with. So if you have a bad day with somebody, it doesn't mean that they're a bad person or they're a chronic problem. It just means it's an issue that 
hopefully you can work out and it's a, a one-time thing or an occasional thing and not a, not a chronic issue. I didn't have anyone, including Enzo, never a chronic thing. It's just something here and there. And if you can't, you know, work that out as men, you know, as, as, an, as adults, what's the deal? Talk to me. Let's see what's up. You know, it's, it's communication business, man. Um, it's, it's so much more than the X's and O's. You got to dig a little bit deeper into the relationships and find out what's, what's really going on with people. And if you can't, if you can't get, you know, emotionally invested in people, you're never really going to get the, the, the best out of them. Um, on one hand, you want to stay emotionally detached because you never know what's going to happen with this person. Maybe they might get fired in a week and you never want to see them again. Who, who knows, you know? So on the other hand, you know, maybe you'd be best friends and they go up and everyone lives happily ever after all that jazz. So it's really hard because you, when you're with someone three hours a day, every single day, whatever it is, how do you not get emotionally attached to them? You know what I mean? I don't care if it's just a work, a, a normal desk job. If you have somebody right next to you all the time, you know, for years, you know, most of these guys I've known, you know, for the, the entire three years I was there, you know, that's 20 hours a week hanging out with the same people. Plus, you know, it's, it's hard. It's hard. So I've never, I've never had one good friend in my life that I didn't get in some kind of altercation with, you know what I mean? So it's a very emotional business. It's, it's hard. It's, it's, uh, it's very, very stressful physically, emotionally, everything. So every once in a while you're going to, you're going to have a, uh, you're going to have to raise your voice. You're going to have to yell a little bit. You know, I have to put people in line. I'm going to have to get myself put in line. I've definitely been yelled at by my bosses a few times. You know, no one, I was far from perfect. I know that. And with, you know, you saying that obviously there's a lot of success stories also, you know, that, like you said, the life of a wrestler, I mean, it can be very, very tough and very stressful at times. But, I mean, we talked about Enzo a little bit, but on the other side of the spectrum, obviously you've had many success stories. Can you kind of just maybe name a wrestler or two, maybe like a surprise that we wouldn't really think of as being, you know, the most coachable guy? But in your kind of experience with them, they were more than coachable and you were kind of surprised by it? Um, well, man, there's, there, there's a bunch of them. You've got like, uh, Wesley Blake is a guy that he's going to, you know, do anything that's asked of him. Um, uh, he, he's an up and comer. I think he's, I think he's going to make a big splash real soon. He's busting his ass and, uh, doing everything. Uh, Chad Gable is as coachable as you can get. You know, he's a very humble guy with, with all his success before wrestling. He, um, you know, he just comes in, he, he trains his butt off, and he's going to do anything you ask of him. Sasha was one that I had a really hard time with at first, but then as she got closer to going up, she became much, much more open-minded and, and uh, happy to, you know, to, to work. But you, you got to remember, I think she was 20, 21 when I first got there, and she didn't give a damn about doing a squat or a bench press or push-up or anything like that. She just wanted to wrestle. She loved wrestling. So it was kind of like pulling teeth. But then as time went on, a year or two later, you know, of her and I button heads, then, you know, um, it, was, it was an absolute pleasure to work with her. When she did that, uh, that photo shoot, to, she did the cover for the Muscle and Fitness Hers magazine. She contacted me. She was already out. Like, I wasn't, I wasn't seeing her. She was on the road already, I believe. And she came back. She said, hey, can you help me out with this? So we had about six to eight weeks or so that we, uh, you know, I helped her with a program. She'd come in when she could, but she was on the road most of the time. And uh, she did everything I asked of her. She kept her log. I was seeing what she was eating and, and what, how she was training. And, you know, she was tracking everything. And it worked out really good. I thought her photo shoot came out beautifully. Um, yeah, most of the guys are awesome. Dylan Miley is a guy who's just like a freak. Um, 
you know, he, he comes from an awesome gym back in, uh, in Denver, Armbrus, uh, pro gym or something like that. And, um, he's way bigger than me, way stronger than me, but he still like always listens and wants to learn. He's always asking, uh, Mojo's a guy who's going to do anything you ask. I mean, he, he works extremely hard, but then trying to get him to follow a long-term plan, he's just way too, it, he, he is real. Like his character, Mojo Rawley, that's, that's him. He's so ADD. Like his brain, his hmm. brain just looks like a, a million beehives just all like crashed into each other. And all those billions of bees are just going nuts. Like that's what's going on in his head right now every second of every day. He doesn't sleep. He doesn't rest. He's just constantly going and trying to work with somebody like that. He's always trying to do something different. And holy shit, it's frustrating as hell. But I would rather have his energy and happiness. He's always smiling and laughing and, and busting his ass. I'll take that over, you know, somebody who's like completely, you know, unemotional and, you know, they'll do what you ask them, but there's no, no energy into it. Energy is going to be more than anything else. Give me, give me your energy, your attitude, your charisma. Mojo has all that, and that's why it's up on the road now. You know, you were down there, and you're seeing a lot of these guys come up, and whether it be, you know, the younger talent that came all the way up through NXT or maybe somebody rehabbing injury, stuff like that. Do you, you know, did you get some satisfaction seeing them make it up to that main roster as they kind of traveled through you and, and headed up to the big time WWE? Of course I do. I mean, um, I had my own little, you know, asshole character. I did Donnie Blackheart was, was my gimmick name. Donnie Blackheart is just like this douchebag asshole, you know, like he doesn't care. But it was, you know, it's just like a, a fun little gimmick thing. But, of course, I want to see them all go. That's, that's the whole point of being there is um, sharing your knowledge with all these guys and girls coming through. And uh, when they make it, it's, it's a huge celebration. And it's always good. That's one of the best feelings. When, when someone gets called up, and they make that announcement, you know, as an NXT, uh, you know, taping or something like that down at Full Sail University, and everyone just, you know, it's it's like a war. It's like, you know, you finally won. That's that big Super Bowl, or or the first time they come back to the PC after a week or two of being on the road, and they make that first trip back to come and train and say hi to everybody, and everyone just like stops training. There's a big standing ovation. Everyone comes running, you know, gives you a big hug and all that. It's it's awesome, you know. That's it's exactly what we're trying to do there. We're not trying to make anyone fail. We're trying to make every single person succeed. And when they succeed, you succeed. That is, you know, all the coaches. They all felt the same way. You know, there's there's never a bit of jealousy. You know, they might think that one guy should have made it. Not so not so sure why somebody else did. But that's not our responsibility. That's that's Hunter and everyone else that brings them up. And if there's a better story for, you know, one guy over another, even though, you know, th- this guy, you know, Wrestler X, he might work a little harder, he might have a little bit more talent, but he doesn't fit into any stories, you know, Wrestler Y, maybe he doesn't work as hard, maybe maybe he doesn't deserve as much, but his character just fits perfectly, then they're going to bring him up. So there might be, like, a, a, a touch of animosity there, like so-and-so, you know, has been here longer, works harder, he's stronger, blah, 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 but... Sometimes it's just not about that. Sometimes it's about where does this person fit in, you know? Um, yeah, it is what it is. We, we had a guy that in his first 500 days of, uh, of being at the PC, think about this. How many, how many companies would this work for? In his first 500 days of being at the PC, he missed 350 days of work from being sick, injured, 
et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, whatever it is. How many times could you miss 350 out of 500 days and not only not get fired, but, but, but get promoted? There's certain things that you can't teach when you're, you know, you have certain physical attributes. It, that's just how it goes. So a lot of people think, okay, this isn't fair. But again, that's not, that's not my responsibility to worry about what's fair and what's not. Hey, get the guys up. Hope everybody makes money. And, um, you know, build your relationships along the way. Now, is that certain person allowed to be named or no? I mean, he's a big guy. That's what I, I was, I was going to say, but I, I didn't want to. <laughs> well, I mean, it's not a secret that certain people, have, you know, when, when people are injured, they try and hide it, you know, the best they can to protect them. But um, as far as I know, he's doing great now. You know, he learned what he could. In, in his time, and uh, now he's up there and he's doing awesome. I'm happy for him. Um, it's just one of those unfortunate things. Sometimes it's just not your fault. If you're injured, it's not your fault. No one plans to get hurt. But um, And, and it, it, it's not a dig on him at all. It's just the way things go, you know. Shit, when somebody's fucking hurt, you're hurt. And, and it's, it's one thing if you're faking, like, an ankle injury. It's another thing if you have, like, a chunk of you know, whatever in your spinal cord, you know, there, there are certain, certain things that you can't do. Um, so we got through it and he learned what he needed to do. And now he's doing amazing when he's up there. As far as I know, he's doing great. I'm happy for him. Yes. Yeah, so I won't mention names, but uh, I'm pretty sure I know who you're talking about. Big guy, uh, pretty damn successful right now for WWE and uh, pretty good for, for not really going through the system. Like you said, obviously it was injury related, but Doing pretty good for a, a kind of a green guy that didn't really go through the system as much as he should have. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Like, there's a lot of people that came in with him, went through the whole thing, and, you know, they were there every day. He just wasn't. And again, I'm not saying it was his fault. It's just the way that things went. And, you know, and I'll tell you what, it, there's a big difference between being a smaller guy such as Callisto for him to go through a three-hour workout than it would be for another, like, a, a, a massive guy, 300-plus pounds. Let's say you're 300, 320, 365. These guys need a lot more to recover. It's just like trying to get a great dame to play with, like, a Boston Terrier. Get them, get them two dogs running around for three hours and see which one's worn out and which one comes right back for more, another three-hour session and another, you know. So you got a guy like Calisto that, that can take it, and he's going to do it, but – that's why the system is not perfect. They do the best they can with what they got, and they're still ironing things out. Remember this. It's 2017. They are real close to their four-year anniversary right now. They opened, uh, I believe it was June or July 1st, I think. And um, so they, they're, they're creeping right up on their four-year anniversary, and they're still learning so much. And they, they're so, so many things are so much better today than it was when we first started, but it's a learning process. And uh, if they could – you know, not every person in every class is going to be able to have the same amount of recovery ability. So just think, you know, if one one guy's the great Dane, joints are going to wear out. People are going to have to take some time off, and there's just not enough time to recover with the other Boston Terriers. And there's a lot of those guys. You know, you've got the cruiserweight class, and these guys that are 200 pounds or less, you know, there's, there's a, a bunch of guys that are, you know, less than 200 pounds. They're going to be able to go those three-hour sessions and come right back at it 
it's just a different world. It's, it's two completely different animals. Seeing these kind of athletes, you know, expect the same thing. So I, I brought that up many times, you know, there should be different expectations for different kinds of athletes. There's a reason why you don't, you know, in football, for example, there's a reason why you don't train an offensive lineman the same exact way you would a D back. It's two completely different positions, different people, different recovery abilities, different needs. Some people need more strength, need more speed, fill in the blank with what the wrestlers need. One guy needs more of this. Another guy needs more of that but you group them all in the same class and they all do the same shit. Well, they shouldn't do the same shit. So then you wonder why the 360 pound guy is fucking out of work half the time. And the, the 200 pound guy is all right. You know, it's just two completely different animals and you know, you learn, you learn as you go. Again, it's like I said, now, it's nobody's you, fault. It's just one of those right. things. When you originally were hired by TV, who kind of reached out to you? Where did they see it and how did they bring you into the fold? I, uh, well, I knew of Joe DeFranco and and Joe, like I said, he's a hunter's personal trainer. So Hunter asked Joe to find him a guy. He said, you know, is is it something that you'd be able to do? He said, you know, he'll find out. So he put the word out and, uh, I was good friends with, um, James Smith, who Joe DeFranco and James Smith, they, um, they're business partners in a, in a couple of different areas. They put out some products. And uh, they have a certification course, the CPPS course, which is a, an, an amazing certification. Um, it's a certified physical preparation specialist. And uh, they do tremendous work there. So Smitty, James Smith, uh, contacted me and said, hey, we got this, I got this opportunity. Um, why don't you send a resume in? I said, sure. So I sent my resume in. And uh, then it got out uh, publicized and went on the website. If you're interested in a strength conditioning position for, you know, WWE, blah, blah, blah. So it went out to a lot of people and I knew Smitty. So I think I was one of the first people to get my resume in. Um, So they, they brought in me and like four others. They flew us up to, uh, you know, North Jersey. And I had my interview with Canyon along with all the other guys that they brought in. I, I think I don't know how many resumes came in. It was like 150 or 200 or something like that. Resumes went in, and then they flew five of us in. So I was one of the five finalists. And from there, I'm the one that got hired. So I did know someone to get in the door, but um, you know, uh, from those five people, after doing the interview with Canyon and the other people and meeting Hunter and everything, I was lucky enough to to get asked to fulfill the role. When you do a, an interview like that, obviously, you know, there's a lot of pressure, uh, you know, to actually get the spot. And I know WWE does a pretty extensive, uh, you know, style of interview with uh, just uh, a, lot of, a lot of X factors that come up. But, you know, how did your background kind of play into, you know, your interview and what you were able to pitch to them? Because obviously, you know, very accomplished with what you were able to do uh, in your career and what you did prior to, uh, you know, your strength and conditioning. So what were you able to pitch to them in terms of what you brought to the table? You know, I, I don't, it certainly wasn't my speaking ability. I talk with a list and I, uh, I'm not the most articulate fellow out there, but I think the the bigger issue, and especially my, um, my resume, my paper resume, there's no way in hell that that stood out from anybody else. So I'm convinced that that part of it came down to who I knew. You know, someone, someone must have pulled a string and said, okay, I, I vouch for this guy. Smitty must have just vouched for me and said, hey, I trust this guy. He's good. Give him a shot. So I think that part of it was who you knew. But then once I got into the interview with Canyon, I don't know. It might have been, it might have been one of those moments. What, what movie was it with, uh, 
you know, Will Ferrell, you know, old school. I think he closed his eyes, he blacked out, and next thing you know, he, like, gave me, like, the most amazing <laughs> answer to whatever. That, that's kind of how it went. Like, I, I, I just, it was, seriously, I think it was a 90-minute interview, and I don't remember any of it. You know, I was talking with Canyon and uh, another woman, and it's just digging deep, man. And they, and they did extensive background checks, so they went all through my social media, and some of it was embarrassing. Like, I, some of it was unprofessional, and I was like, try to explain like why would I say this on social media or do that and it's like oh fuck you know like I don't have an answer for that you know so I was just honest and I was open and I said I cleaned my act up and then but the I think the bigger issue was getting into the gym and having the ability to work with Joe DeFranco's pro athletes he's he's got a bunch of studs up there obviously um NFL guys um you know just 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 a wide variety of top quality guys and my interaction with them and seeing what they were doing and offering my help and then giving some advice and, and, and just training them, working with them. Of course, for the most part, I was a, a, a shadow, but I did have the opportunity to kind of chime in and, and give, you know, my two cents here and there on certain exercises and help coach up. And um, that seemed to, uh, that seemed to work in my favor. They really, they really enjoyed. So when they came back and they talked to Joe and they talked to his athletes, or, or at least Joe talked to his athletes and got feedback from all the different coaches, because that was part of the hiring process. Go in there, work with Joe and his athletes. And I guess the feedback from all the athletes said, said I did a pretty damn good job. So, you know, if, where, do, where do you want to get your, your, your information from a strength coach, from the pro athletes, you know, saying, hey, I, I work with this guy. And they didn't know me from anything. I met them that day. I met them that morning. And uh, by the time I left, a bunch of them wanted to exchange numbers. Um, so they gave me their numbers, and, you know, I just, just could keep in touch. And it's not they had any questions. And uh, so I just – I found that pretty cool. You know, I wasn't asking them. You know, they, they asked me, hey, man, this was good. Because while Joe and I do a lot of stuff very similar, there are some things that, of course, you know, every coach is going to have his own style and do things a different way. I have a little bit of uh, background in uh, gymnastics, not a lot, just a little bit. But for most people, they don't need an extensive background in gymnastics. But if you can practice the very basics, the preparation and the mobility that a typical gymnast needs is very, very uh, um, similar to what you know a wrestler or any other athlete. You're, you're, you're learning how to move your body. And wrestling is body, it's, it's body weight. You know, it's, it's almost like gymnastics with a partner, you know, learning how to pick people up and do the certain moves, the partner moves. You got to learn how to work together to make the move uh, just right, how to make it easier on, you know, the guy doing the lifting and, you know, everything. If you're not working together, you know, if you're a stiff partner and all that kind of shit, you know, it's, it's not going to go so well. So I, I taught him a lot about that um, from like a gymnastic perspective, as opposed to just a strength perspective you know mobility and they, they saw a couple of drills that uh you know similar to what joe does maybe a little bit different like i said everyone has their own style so that was uh that was probably the thing that separated me from anyone else the most and, and it's funny that what we've learned about joe defranco and what he does i mean we've seen triple h and stephanie off doing these midnight workouts and these insane uh things that they're doing to keep themselves in shape uh, but do you get a guy like Triple H, you know, obviously you mentioned it before as being someone who's just, uh, he's always trying to get into new things and incorporating them to the performance center. But do you get a guy like Triple H who has a bodybuilding background and all these other great fitness accomplishments coming to you to ask you for specific advice on how he can uh, try to 
you know, try something different or prolong a different kind of workout to see somebody that would turn to you and be like, hey, what do you think about uh, something new I want to try? Um, well, I mean, currently I, I've been training with Billy Gunn. He comes down here all the time. Uh, he's my training partner. I've been working with him since uh, we were both coaches at the PC. He's now 53, I believe, and he, in my opinion, he looks better now than he did, you know, 10, 20 years ago. He said he still feels good, other than occasional, you know, you're always going to have a little nagging thing here and there, a knee or whatever it is, but we do the best we can to maintain him, um, and he definitely has a, a solid bodybuilding uh, history with his training style, not that he was stepping on stage, but his training style is more bodybuilding based than anything else, I would say. And um, and we still do a significant amount of bodybuilding, but I make sure that we're doing a lot of the drills that might seem a little bit more boring and, um, you know, activation for the shoulder and prepar- uh, preparatory work. Um, so he's definitely the most popular one. And then there's, you know, there's some other guys that I get to work with from time to time. Sure. Yeah, oh, Billy Gunn is, uh, we were definitely going to touch on him because, I mean, uh, he just looks phenomenal. I mean, it seems like, He's found the fountain of youth, and he's just always uh, kind of reinventing uh, what Mr. Rast uh, is all about. Because he, uh, when he hit the independent scene again, I mean, this guy just completely uh, opened up another dimension of his career, and he just looks in amazing shape. But, you know, what's kind of the secret to uh, Billy Gunn's success? Because he looks bigger than ever, but he, uh, he looks just as, uh, just as everybody would remember Billy Gunn looking back, uh, you know, in his heyday. Well, you know, he obviously has great genetics. I get to train with his kids. They come in here as well. And, uh, you know, his one son's 25, another one's a little bit younger, uh, just getting out of college now. And they're both incredible athletes. And it's, they're, they're all just a pleasure to work with because it's easy. They can pick things up. Um, you know, they're just, they're just talented. They're very gifted. And <laughs> you can't teach that, right? So back to Enzo. Um, and so you're very fortunate. Like, I would say that's kind of the, the easiest part of my job being at the PC was the fact that the recruiting was so good. They're bringing in top-level talent from all over the world. You know, the guys from India were amazing athletes over there, different sports, but just great athletes. And, uh, you know, Billy's a guy. He had, his background goes, you know, as long as you can remember. You just don't see too many Six foot five, two hundred and seventy pound guys that can run and jump and 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 do the things he can as as effortlessly, effortlessly as he does. He just he's just killing it, man. So sometimes it's just like, hey, this is what we're going to do, and he can just do it. Um, I have uh, I have you know the ability to know a bunch of different drills and and lots of regressions and lots of progressions. So depending on how he feels, I can I can back him up or I can fast forward him, and you know. Just try and uh, try and hit him with the appropriate intensity on the appropriate day, and every single day, you know, we have a general idea, a, a general program of what we're trying to accomplish. But if I write a 12-week program, we got to realize that people aren't robots, and we're not we're not just mathematical numbers. We're not just equations where I say, okay, we're doing this percentage on this day, blah blah blah, because life happens. Something's always going to come up particularly when you're a wrestler and when you're 50 years old, you know, you, you don't know how someone's going to feel. So if you miss, if, if you have this program that is so specifically designed and programmed in, you're supposed to do 82 and a half percent for this sets and these reps, blah, blah, blah. And the next week it goes to this and the next week goes to that. But what if you miss one week? You have to go on the road or you're sick or this or that, whatever. Now everything after that is all going to take a hit and, 
whatever. So we just got to go by feel, and uh, you know, we we have a good enough relationship where we can talk and figure things out, um, and and train at the appropriate intensity every day. That works for people that are extremely motivated and they want to get better because they're not going to take the easy way out. If you have someone that's not very motivated, they don't like to train, or it's easy to talk them out of doing things, and it's very hard to talk them into doing things. Billy's a guy where, you know, you don't have to talk him into things. He's going to show up to the gym. He's going to train hard. Um, lots of, a lot of the athletes were like that. You know, The hardest part was calming them down, slowing them down, getting them to do a little bit less because more isn't better. Better is better. And you see that now in, like, CrossFit circles or something like that. There's so many amazing CrossFit coaches and CrossFit gym. And then you'll just see, like, the videos on YouTube where you have the new guy who's just trying to smash people. Let's do more. How fast can you do it? There's no reason in hell you should be trying to do more reps or faster reps of an exercise that you're just simply not very good at. If you can't do one perfect rep, why would you do 30 of them as fast as possible? You know what I mean? Um, so Billy's a guy that he listens, he does what he's supposed to do, he listens to his body, he listens to me. If he's trying to push too hard through an exercise or something, and I say, hey, it's not there, you know, I know when to give him the right assistance, the right amount of resistance, when to push forward, when to pull back. Um, and that comes down to just establishing that relationship, you know. Yeah, totally. And like we said before, it's a science, and it really is an art as well because uh, you have to know your body, you have to know your limitations, you have to know what you can really handle. And, of course, you know, Billy Gunn being 52 years old, and he would kill me if he thought I was making fun of him for his age. But another guy with close ties to Billy is our good friend, Kev Persick, who is pro story. He actually just turned 40. But, again, you see what he's doing in his body and the way he's transformed. And, I mean, he doesn't look like he's 40 years old, and he looks like he can get in the ring and have a better physique than half the guys that are down at the performance center. So, Obviously, whatever is being taught now, especially with you and what you can kind of influence on other people, you know, age is no restriction. Age is no limitation. It really is the measure. I hate to steal the Rocky phrase here, but it's the measure of a man or a woman that can really uh, be the factor in uh, your overall success when you're, you know, really looking to train smart. Absolutely. I know, Kevin, uh, I was fortunate enough to go on a camping trip last year with uh, Billy and his family and Kevin and his uh, family and uh, a couple other people, and it, it was a lot of fun. So we got a couple training sessions in at the cabin, did like some outdoor work, and it was it was just a lot of fun. So there's been a little bit of kind of banter, good fun banter going back and forth. A lot of times, uh, Billy will be in here and he'll get he'll get Kevin on uh, on FaceTime or something. They're going back and forth, and it's you know it's just good friendly camaraderie, and they're pushing each other, and they get little friendly uh, rivalries going with. Uh, little contest, who can do this by this date or whatever. You know, it might be an exercise or a weight or how many reps is something. So it's it's fun. It pushes them and it gives them little kind of, you know, uh, like I said, the camaraderie and the small competitions and uh, they, they're staying on top of it. So they got a little fun thing going on for WrestleMania who's going to bring a better package. So uh, that's that motivation. <laughs> Keeping them both fired up. <laughs> that is great. And, uh, Kev is great, and obviously Billy Gunn equally is great. But as we start to wind it down here, I'm just very curious of you. You know, obviously, you know, you got the strength shop down there in Florida. You're obviously doing very well. But what is the kind of the favorite part of the job for you? The favorite part of the job as far as at the PC working with all the talent? Well, just as a trainer in general, because it seems like, you know, you're really helping people 
not only stay healthy, but kind of get get into a, a good frame of mind as well. I I just think you know getting people to understand that building strength is so much more than just what you see in the mirror. You know, um, it's it's developing your complete package. I think working with some of the divas was very special because I didn't. I didn't work with as many uh, women at the same time in, in my past than before I started working at the PC. So I'm, this isn't just about the PC, but it's about working with uh, particular demographics and doing what they do. You're going to see a lot of people with body image issues, and it's not just the women, it's the men too, you know, and not just in wrestling and in, in, in anywhere, right? People go to the gym, they want to train, they want to, they want to see results, they want to look in the mirror, they want to see their waist get tighter, they want to see their muscles and their arms get fuller and all these things. But it's not always just about that. It's about how you feel, your confidence, things like that. And uh, you're looking at things like social media now. Uh, the good thing about social media is everybody has a voice. The bad thing about social media Everybody has a fucking voice. Every asshole out there um, with a computer and an iPhone or whatever, they get to chime in and they get to break people down and say negative shit everywhere. So these girls, they'll put up a, a pic or whatever. A pic goes up. And some asshole just makes like a really rough, you know, ignorant comment. And they see that. You know, these are real people. Of course, they're not going to see every single comment because there might be 20,000 comments. But they're going to see some of the good, some of the bad, and the ugly. And it's tip, it's usually good. But there's you, you do the best you can to make them realize, hey, don't worry about your haters. You know, there's, you haven't made it if you don't have any haters, right? It's one of the things. But when you see people just saying, like, really mean things for no reason, even especially when, because it's unwarranted. You know, it's like an absolute bullshit. And I'd be like, well, why were you even worried about it? You know, but if somebody might say, oh, someone's overweight. And these girls, you know, they're everyone gets a little self-conscious, but when you can start to see people's confidence change and not worry about what everyone else is thinking, the negative shit that, pe- that people are saying about them, this is what's more important than anything else. What does the strength training, what does the building of the body and the building of the mind, how is it affecting them physically, emotionally, strong body, strong mind, and what we do in the gym Obviously, it starts with the body on the, on the most superficial level, your physical strength, your mobility, your conditioning. But if it's not hitting you on a deeper level and making you a stronger, better, more resilient person, if it doesn't provide you the ability to help other people, to bring other people up, the majority of these guys are role models, whether they want to believe it or not. When you are a public figure, when your stuff, you're, you have that blue check next to your name, on Instagram, on Twitter, all that stuff. Lots and lots of people are seeing it, and what you say and what you think and what you feel matters. And it's going to affect millions of other people, directly and indirectly. And you can't complain because as soon as you complain, most people don't want to hear it, and the ones that do are happy that you're fucking miserable. So don't fucking complain. They don't want to hear it, and the ones that do, they're happy that you're fucking miserable. So... You know, just trying to get that message across that your strength, it's so much deeper than just what you look like in the mirror. It's deeper than your six-pack. It's deeper than the, the, the cuts on your arms and the striations, you know, across your chest. It's about feeling better, obviously looking better and, and moving better, and how you can apply that strength and that, that knowledge and that confidence and that charisma and that attitude into everyone else around you. When you're in the room or, you know, is everyone happy that you're there or they fucking, 
like, like, what the hell is this guy doing here? Are, are you the guy that's like bringing the room down? And that goes for your online presence. You know, do people want to hear from you? Do they want to see you on TV? Or are they like irritated? Oh, not this guy again. You know. So from the from the women working with them and seeing, you know, how things have changed. Becky Lynch, you know, was was a big one. Um, you know. She, going from her like wanting to like diet down diet down all the time to get leaner and leaner and leaner and like what, what well, how's that going to change your career if you lose five more pounds right you know and then her coming back after she goes up on the road she's like i gotta talk to you you know and so we go off on the side and we have a nice half hour conversation it's like I'm so glad you talked to me about that stuff because I, I realize it just does not matter at all it doesn't get you over more with the fans it doesn't get you more uh, more fans or, or, or more popularity if, you know, you lose a couple pounds. It's how are you connecting with people on a, on a deeper level? Are they buying into your story? Are they feeling something when you're around, when you say something, you know, when you're talking? Um, and building that strength is going to build that confidence. It's going to carry over to your mic skills, your promo skills, your, your life in general. So it's always like every time, you know, you meet someone, you leave someone, do they feel better? Are they happier that they know you or, is, or are you know, bringing someone up or are you bringing somebody down? So, yes, I do like to see people get physically stronger, but it's much, much deeper than that. Are they, are they you know, stronger in a way that they can help and support other people? Or, you know, are you going to be the baggage or are you going to be, you know, the, the, the motor to, to help propel other people forward? That was very, very well said. I kind of I love the point about you know social media and bringing stuff up. Now, with you and Kenny, your background besides wrestling, besides obviously you know strength and conditioning training stuff like that, did football help prepare you for everything you're doing now? I think so because I, I had so many different coaches. I was an All American in college, and then after college, I was fortunate enough to play in uh, in Europe um, for a couple different teams in Finland and Poland. Got to travel to Germany and Mexico through football. Football was a vehicle for me to meet so many different people and experience so many different things and, and see so many different places. So, um, if I didn't play ball, I wouldn't have, wouldn't have, you know, had those opportunities. Um, wouldn't have met those people, and I probably would not have been as interested in you know training as I was because. I, I started lifting weights to get better at football. Then when football was gone, I was like, well, I, I still loved that, and I still um, enjoyed the, uh, the health and the, the fitness benefits. It, was, it wasn't just about performance. I wasn't you know, constantly trying to you know, run faster or jump higher. But I'm, I'm 39 and turning 40 this year. And you know, as you mentioned with Kevin Furtick, he's in some of the best shape of his life, and he just turned 40. And we talk about that. You know, it's, it's fun. And uh, it's one of those things, you know, I do feel better. I, I know my 39-year-old self probably would not win in a fight against my 24-year-old self, but I compare, you know, my 39-year-old self to the average 39 or 40-year-old, all my friends that I went to school with and things like that, and some of them are doing great. Most of them are making more money than me and all that stuff, so everyone has their own level of success. But I just feel great. I wake up every day and I, I, I feel great. Football is a thing that it was a vehicle for me um, and it, it drove my passion into, into other areas. But if I can, you know, use my knowledge and kind of help people, a, a lot of my members at the Strength Shop now in Florida are, you know, overweight mothers, you know, 40 years old, got a couple kids and, you know, they, they want to feel better and, and, and live a healthier, more active lifestyle with their kids. You know, um, I have some younger athletes, of course, but I don't know which one gives me more satisfaction, you know, working with the, the, the everyday mom 
that gets to lose 30, 40 pounds or whatever, or the guy that's like, hey, you know, I, my shoulder pain's gone and uh, I'm, I'm moving so much better and I, I, got the, I got the gig at Ring of Honor or whatever it is, you know. So everyone has their goal. And whatever their goal is, it becomes my goal to help them reach their goal. And working, you know, or, or, you know playing football, being a team sport, it wasn't just about me. It was about helping my team to the best we could. And I had my role. And so in this gym, you know, it's my gym. Everyone has their own role. You know, if I, you know, the, all, all the members here, they know what they're supposed to be doing. Uh, I, for the most part, I try my best in a role. Supposed to be doing, but I'm usually pretty lost. And, um, you know, so football was a good vehicle. And, and all the coaches, all the people I've met through that sport have, uh, have been tremendous in, you know, teaching me something. I did the best I can to, to learn as much as I could from other people. And now it's my, my job and my mission to teach other people the stuff that I know. And hopefully – Hopefully it's beneficial. Oh, definitely beneficial. And uh, if you ever need to teach a, uh, a glute class to anybody, you obviously uh, down at the strength shop you can get Billy Gunn in there to kind of show you uh, the ropes on how to get the glutes uh, all in order. So, uh, but Matt, as we wrap exactly. But Matt, as we wrap this up here, you know we like to ask the uh, the wrestlers when they come on, you know whether they were an established, you know legend with a the long haul of career, we say, you know, what did you leave behind in the business? Or if there's somebody who's still active, we say, well, where do you kind of see yourself in five years? But, I mean, we touched a lot on the WWE stuff, and we, we obviously learned a lot about what you do at the strength shop. But what do you feel like you left behind at the Performance Center and spending so much time there and really becoming the guy that we got to know as the face of the strength and conditioning program for the Performance Center? But what do you think you left behind as kind of like, quote, your legacy within the walls of the performance center. Be strong, do the best you can, work hard, help other people, be funny, be charismatic and um and don't be an asshole. You know, hopefully hopefully some of that sticks. <laughs> Not always the easiest thing when it comes to some of the people that step through the door of the uh the performance center, but I gotta ask this too, because it's kind of funny it ties back to you being an old school fan. Did you ever get the chance to check out the old WBF footage while you were uh, hanging out there in the performance center on some of those off days? I I can't say I have. Um, I didn't go I didn't go too deep into the old footage. Um, I'm sure all the other guys have, but uh, you know it was it was their job to watch the film every day. I was busy running the gym all the time, so that that's that's not something I can dig into. <laughs> All right, Matt, well, please, you know, while we wrap this up, please share with the listeners of the two-man power trip just where they can find out everything going on at the Strength Shop as well as where they can find you uh, on social media and where they can find out more about what's going on in your world. Um, uh, my, my gym is the Strength Shop. I'm in Longwood, Florida, which is basically uh, North Orlando. TSSathletics.com is the, uh, the website. Um, I guess the best way, uh, the, the easiest thing is, you know, Twitter or, or uh, Instagram, the Strength Shop on Instagram, the Strength Shop on Facebook. Um, I update those regularly with new exercises, new information, uh, helping people train. Anyone that's interested in coming down to the Strength Shop, feel free to give me a, you know, hit me up on uh, social media, the Strength Shop or Matt Wichlinski. I have both. And, um, yeah, I'd be more than happy to talk. Phenomenal. We've been thrilled to talk to you tonight. It's been a lot of fun, so uh, appreciate the time tonight. Thank you, man. Hopefully talk soon. Have a good one. Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling. 
what the world is downloading.